0: 877 9799. Well, all right. Uh, now, uh, once again, here is Whitley Streber. Whitley? Hi, how are you? Oh, uh, fine. I, uh, what a surprise. I would like to introduce to you, uh, the man who I guess began all of this in Houston, Texas. He is Chuck Schrammick. Chuck, are you there?
1: I'm here, all right. Hi. Hi, Whitley. Hi how are you, Chuck? I'm very pleased to meet you. Oh, I'm very pleased to talk to
0: you, sir. A yeah. couple of Texans, actually.
2: Actually, yep. yeah. Uh,
0: Chuck. Uh, I guess it's been a long, tough odyssey for you.
3: Well, it has. You know, it it was at first. I, I went through a a week there of, of nobody believing me, and uh, and and I was kind of dangling out there alone. Hmm. But uh, I know the
1: feeling, Chuck. I I was in that position about ten years ago, very unexpectedly, and I did not know it took courage. I I didn't know that would be needed. It was very surprising to me at the time.
3: Uh, yeah, and 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 like Hugh whitley i have a i have a son uh eighteen years old now and yep. uh and i realized well geez if the whole truth come out comes out it's going to be strange because I knew at first that 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 I was looking at something very very odd here and uh and if the whole truth did come out i'd have to say well it it it's really, really odd it it it's, it's something I've never seen before
0: Chuck, how many photographs did you take?
3: One hundred and sixty-one. We we have you heard the early part of the show, Chuck? No, I'm sorry, I fell asleep. I, I okay. it I'll hear it later.
1: Well, let me let me just for you and for the listeners who have not heard, let me reiterate a proposal I have. We were talking to a another amateur astronomer, uh, Ivan Dyer in L.A., who has been in that doing this for forty-five years and is a real as. Very much of an expert in terms of the equipment he, uh, he possesses and,
0: uh. Invented the lazarium.
1: Yeah, you know, he's, he's a, a good one. Okay. And a real open-minded type of person is not going to be, uh, blinded by paradigms that, uh, that, uh, that he doesn't want to see broken. Mm-hmm. And what we're interested in is the possibility of assembling a committee of, say, about five people like that. I know another one in New York who is more of an, Amateur astrophysicist and astronomer, Dr. John Gleidman, uh, who is the same, has the same kind of open mindset. He's going to tell it like he sees it pretty much.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, to, to look at your photographs and come to independent opinions about what they show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to come together maybe on the program and submit reports about what they feel these photographs represent. And then we would have, uh, along with you, uh, a substantial group of amateur experts uh, uh, who would not be threatened by the danger of losing their livelihoods if they uh, made statements about this and would not be blinded by a paradigm that they're afraid to break. What do you say to doing something like that?
3: I'd be open to doing something like that.
1: Well, great, because I can certainly arrange to have the... I know with that many pictures, there'd be uh, some costs involved in uh, reproducing pictures and so on and so forth and getting them moved around and phone calls, and I can certainly make sure that all of those costs are taken care of.
0: Okay. All right, Chuck, uh, let's clear something up for the audience, too, because all of the publicity surrounding uh, hale since your images, every story, that has come out uh, literally in uh, newspapers from Albuquerque to Phoenix to San Jose, to you name it, uh, an Associated Press story. Um, MSNBC did a front page story on it and so forth and so on. They all uh, try to take it on by referring only to your photograph.
1: The release, one
0: picture. One, That's the key. The one picture. Right. And yep. um, they try to debunk it uh, with that and, you know the obvious uh, quick answer. It was a star. Chuck was mistaken. It was a, uh, uh, and there was indeed a uh, software error. Yeah, yeah.
3: But, there is, a, there is, there is a star there. But a couple, a couple of things. Uh, I went back and re-imaged the area, and, and there's, uh, and I saw the star, and it's, it's very dim there. Uh, another thing is, is the pictures I took the, the 161 pictures. Some of the, they vary in exposure anywhere from one to five seconds. I was snapping all sorts of different uh, times on there. In every case, that thing, the companion, is the same size, and a star would have grown in size. Uh, the, the, Why would a star have grown in size? The exposure would have would have made the image grow larger and larger as as, as the pixels sort of spread out there. Oh, I with, see. Yes, w- with the length of exposure, and and another thing I noticed, <laughs> this is it's really something to see my uh, to see NASA and JPL actually go out of their way to debunk an amateur astronomer in, in Houston, Texas. I mean, what yeah.
1: To me, that was incidentally when NASA and JPL got in on it. That was the tip off
3: mm-hmm. that
1: uh, I saw the the old the old cover up. We must not let the public know there's anything unusual in the universe. Mm-hmm. Coming into play because uh, as soon as I thought to myself, my Lord, how must he feel? I mean, here's an here's an amateur astronomer with a very legitimate and straightforward discovery, who finds instead that the whole that 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 that, that he's he's they're they're all throwing dynamite at him for no apparent reason. It must be a very weird experience. It,
3: it is. I'm I'm to the point now where I'm just kind of sitting back and enjoying it. At yeah. first, I was trying to answer every email, and I was. I was answering tw- maybe up to 20 or 30 an hour. Uh, well, I know from experience that no matter how good your answer, it will never be accepted. Well, that's why I, I finally came to, to that conclusion. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't as, as really well,
1: matter. You don't need to answer it.
3: All right. Um, well, and, and one thing, the uh, JPL says that CCDs are more sensitive to orange and, and the lower light waves, uh, which is very true because this, this supposedly was an orange or red star there. But what they never asked me, and what has never come out, is I shot that through, a, through, through two filters, a CCD filter and a green filter. So that star
0: should have been very, very dim. And indeed, on re-imaging it was, right? It, it, I could hardly find it.
2: <laughs> uh,
0: Chuck, let me ask you this. It,
1: it, was, the com- was there enough, is there enough commentary motion in these pictures for the for the perspective against the star field uh, uh, to have changed at all?
3: I've I've thought of that and just done some rough figures in my head. It's it probably only moved a couple of pixels. And I don't think it would be anything definitive, but it, it no. might show up. Have you tried to image it again? The the, the comet? Yeah. <laughs> Oddly that's another odd aspect of my story, uh, Whitley and Art. I, I was so driven to get out there night after night after night. I mean for months I was out there. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's almost as if uh, my job's over, and I haven't, uh, I have not gone back out and imaged the comet. A- another factor is, is that where I live here, uh, the comet window of opportunity was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. That's and we right. I know. About 20, Twenty minutes or so when that picture was taken. Yeah. Just because of my trees and the position of my house. Uh-huh.
0: In other words, it's getting pretty low on the horizon.
3: Yeah, well, I can't even see it from now. I'd have to go outside of town and get a good, clear western horizon view.
0: I see. Um, well, I, 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 think even your photograph uh, is not e- that easily debunked. But when you're talking to a newspaper, it is easily debunked. They just say, sure. "Oh, it was a star."
1: Oh, yeah, they're they not there. It? They're not there to pe- to to to, uh, to uh, deliver the facts. They're there to debunk. So if you come up with a with a good explanation for whatever debunking method they've chosen, then they're simply going to choose another.
0: And then the, uh, one other thing, Chuck, there is um, there's new information that you didn't hear because you didn't hear the first part of the program. But Whitley, earlier in the week, contacted the British, What what is it? Uh, Whitley? The Royal Astronomical Observatory in uh, Greenwich. And early in the week, uh, you'll be interested to know, Chuck, they admitted to Whitley on the phone, yes, the there is an object there. Yeah,
1: quite cheerfully. Oh, yes, uh, we're aware of that, and we're looking into it Was the phrase, uh-huh. I guess you could say at a pinch that uh, that that the man was simply saying they were aware of the story, but I don't think so. The way the conversation ran, it was clear that they were aware of the object, no matter what they may say in retrospect. At the time I first talked to them, they were aware of the object, in my opinion. That's what I was being told.
3: It's it's interesting uh, to to see the backtracking done, and of course I Whitley, read your comments, Whitley, on the uh, Japanese observatory. Yes, <laughs> yes. And, and that odd shuffle. So yes. there's something going on. It and you know I I followed the web. I I sensed back in May that there's something going on here because the good pictures started disappearing.
4: Yeah, the,
3: the observatories were were no longer were posting pictures from smaller and smaller that the night that uh, a lot of this broke the night of your famous uh, uh, Thanksgiving broadcast uh, I noticed that the JPL web or comet uh, homepage, they threw up a picture, a new picture and they hadn't had one on there since August they threw up a new picture but it was from the observatory in Slovenia We're using a Slovenia telescope, not comparable to mine. I thought I ought to donate my telescope to Slovenia
1: <laughs> well that's incredible That I did not know, Chuck. I mean, in other words, what you're saying is the community has been trying to blind us to the actual appearance of this comet. Oh, absolutely. Now, I have to tell you that to any astronomer who's participating in this and who's listening to this program, and I know from my email that a lot of you are listening to it, you need really to look at the morality of them. That is not a moral act at all, not in any way. It, it is, in fact, a, a form of lie.
0: Well, and then there's even more evidence. Again, the uh, so, so-called hailbop eyes that are on the hailbop site itself, uh, I, to the best of my knowledge, uh, have not been explained. Chuck, uh, what about you?
3: No, I've uh, I've not heard it, and you know that was one of the first thoughts that went through my mind when I saw that thing there. Because I was aware of that uh, Hale Bob eyes picture for several months. In fact, I had a link from my page to the to the site page, and uh, it,
0: it shows an object every bit as bright. Uh, maybe you're a better judge of this than I am. I'm just a layman, but I look at it, and to me, it looks like two objects of equal size and brightness. It's
3: it's pretty unmistakable, uh, and and I have enough experience. And, and of course, if you even see the star, you can see the star background there, and it's literally within ten minutes. The thing was there, and ten minutes later, it wasn't there. A- and the separation on on the uh, nucleus to that eye, you're talking about a distance there that is probably comparable to the uh, from the Earth to the Moon, or maybe at least half that distance. So that's a and it, it's this, a bright maneuver on distance scales like that over a period of ten minutes. Yes, yeah, amazing. Uh, word, it's amazing. So And the scale on my picture is similar, about the same type of uh, distance
0: there. It's hard for the casual observer or the layman to know, because some of them are, are closer, zoomed in, uh, some are farther away. Now, uh, we can talk about, though we can't yet post the photograph from the top ten university astronomer, mm-hmm. but it shows the anomalous object almost damn near meshed with, hale it's it actually overlaps a little bit. It's, it's quite yes. remarkable. It, it, it's, and, it, Whitley, you've got that.
1: Yeah, right. It's right behind hale inside the corona of the comet. It couldn't be very far away at all, I, even probably within 100,000 miles of the, of, of, the, uh, of the coma. So of the it's comet.
0: getting to the point where we've got photographs from at least half a dozen sources, all showing this anomalous object. To me, that adds up. To evidence that demands some kind of verdict, some kind of some kind of
1: sane response from the yes. astronomical community, uh, rather than uh, what we've gotten so far, which is is not been adequate.
3: And I I think combined, you know, in my mind, the the other major factor I I smelled a cover up before any of this started, and, and was was wondering and wondering aloud, where are the good pictures? Well, and even for example, the Hubble, pictures, the Hubble has
1: imaged this uh a number of times are supposed to have imaged it in nineteen ninety six, but practically nothing has been released.
0: Actually I think uh nothing since uh what uh October, Chuck?
3: Well they have put up some new ones. But they've obviously <laughs> uh jacked down the resolution, uh zoomed out on them. Uh they they hurriedly put up some later ones. And it's See, interesting. The September the
1: sixth one was put up. And I was sent a very a very uh condescending piece of email that I should take a look at it immediately, which I did. And I was struck by the fact that it was so poor
3: compared to the usual Hubble imagery. Right. They, they must have blown it down considerably. Hmm. Or with my initial impression when I saw it. I hate to make assumptions about their work like they have about mine.
1: <laughs> well, from a layman's point of view, it doesn't look like a Hubble image at all. It looks like something taken from a terrestrial telescope.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How are you holding up, Chuck? Uh, a lot of people don't know it, but even your career was in some jeopardy.
3: Well, uh, that was the rumors, but the, the, the truth when I got back and talked to all the all the parties involved, all face faces and nah, faces, I'm fine. It's okay. I'll be back on here uh, Tuesday morning.
0: All right. Well, we are glad to hear it, and uh, we will be in contact with you regarding those photographs. Keep them safe.
3: <laughs> They're safe in many spots.
0: Uh, that's good. Great. Smart uh-huh. guy. Thank you very much, Chuck.
3: Thank you, Art and Whitley. Pleasure to talk to both of you. Pleasure to meet you.
0: All right, there's the man who started it all, um, Chuck Schrammick. And uh, it sounds as though he's doing okay and back to work and so forth and so on. Uh, but I thought a lot of what he just said was rather quite revealing. And I yeah. think the people who say it was just a star uh, really have got to examine his uh, photographs of the same area, taken under the same conditions, reimaged, where there is just... A star, and nothing uh, even remotely like what he originally imaged. And then they've got—if they can answer that, then they've got to answer at least five more photographs from various locations that seem to show the same thing. Exactly. At any rate, at any rate, uh, there we are.
1: Well, he has a—he a, has a very ample supply of photographic evidence, and I'm quite sure that a lot of—a of, uh, a lot can be derived from the photographs that he could offer.
0: All right. Uh, so let's... that we'll proceed with this with this uh, committee. You bet. East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi.
5: Hello, Art Bell. Hi. I appreciate uh, you waiting for me.
0: Sure. Where are you, sir?
5: I'm in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. My name's Justin. Okay. Um, well, what, first of all, I want to apologize for uh, the oh-wow. I haven't had the opportunity to talk to you on the oh, that's right. year actually. Uh, this is the second time I've called you. Um. Unfortunately, Chuck's not here. I, I can't talk to him now, but, uh, uh, with Whitley, I, I have a question. Uh, um, sure. Now, there are a lot of people out there who say, who knows what the hell this thing is, but do you have anything? Uh, do you, do you, what do you think this thing is?
0: Alright, that's a straight out question. Uh, Whitley, okay. what do you think it is? Punches. That's what I can give you at this point. I
1: cannot tell you what it is. I cannot make any
0: definitive any statements.
1: Definitive statement what do you honestly. think? I have a hunch that this does have something to do with the whole gamut of strange uh, things that we have been observing over the past 50 years, from UFOs to close encounters to crop circles and any number of other different anomalous. Things that appear to be an attempt on the part of, of an intelligence that is very, very different from ours in many respects to communicate with us and to make us make us aware of its presence.
0: Alright, Whitley, hold it right there, and we'll be right back. This is CBC.
4: calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295 That's 702-727-1295 First time callers can reach our bell at 702-727-1222 702 702- 727-1222. Now, here again, Art Bell. Once again, here I am. A few of the
0: year's best Christmas presents still available. They are the Beijing Radio. It's it's simple. This is 30 Monday morning. The number is 1-800-522-8863. That's 1-800-522-8863. Do it before they are gone. The price, by the way, is going to go up. It's 109 109- ninety five and that includes shipping, getting it to you an outrageous price. They're selling for one hundred and fifty dollars elsewhere if you can find them. one eight hundred five two two eight eight six three. Are you tired, need more energy in Phoenix? The stonewalling and obfuscation by astronomers and scientists about Hellbop is to be expected. The anomalies that they find challenge their beliefs. The problem arises from their belief that they know how the universe works. And that it is impossible for other beings to traverse the vast distances of space. I submit for your consideration, remember basic algebra. Remember how many exceptions, special cases, fudge factors there were. Well, if you extrapolate those fudge factors, by the time you get to quantum mechanics and astrophysics, I think the scientific explanations may be just a bit off. And when you begin to challenge a set of beliefs that people have built their identity on, you are basically challenging their religious dogma. Ask Galileo. Uh, what do you think about that, Whitley?
1: Well, I, they nearly lit Galileo up, and I think you and I and people like us are very fortunate that Burning of the, at the stake is going out of fashion.
0: Yeah, we'd all already be we'd,
1: uh, charcoaled. We'd already be, absolutely, we'd be toast. I'd like to get back to this question as is this the, the familiar visitors or not? Yes. This is a real interesting one, and I think it. I, here's why I think it may be. Uh, back in the, arguably, they showed up. At least they emerged into, in into, our more more ordinary world back in the 40s and late 40s and early 50s. There's a certain amount of evidence at that time. Judging from what happened in 19, July of 1952, over Washington that there was some kind of an attempt going on to communicate with the government. Maybe succeeded, maybe failed. In either case, after that, they went underground and they made a direct appeal to individuals. They began to approach the individual in his most secret, most intimate places, in his home, in his bed, in the middle of the night, penetrating the sexual body of mankind and appealing to the psyche of mankind, as we've discussed earlier, in two totally different ways. Now, here this object comes, and it's a totally different kind of communication, but one that fits that whole pattern, because here it is suddenly appealing for the first time to another kind of social institution, the scientific community, and doing it publicly. Mm-hmm. And if 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 they are trying to develop some means of communicating with us and of of uh, not simply not simply simply staring across space at each other like we do with the dolphins and not really know what's going on in the other's mind, but really participating in our lives and us in theirs, it's a logical next step to attempt. Can they break through the, the 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 paradigm? that locks this community into its belief system
0: well I think clearly Whitley we are more approachable than our government is
1: well sure that that the ordinary individual actually has I've said it many times from reading all the letters I've gotten the the the, the, the ordinary person who has this experience whether they have a good experience or a bad experience they're more much more capable of dealing with it than the authorities The authorities are the ones who are scared. We're not, actually. We're much less scared than the... I think that that the average man is far less frightened than the average
0: gentleman. Well, I think that's right. Uh, And you can fold into that the astronomical community based on what we've told the audience tonight, what we know to be true. They're just frightened out of their wits. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, Everybody wants to talk to you. (laughs) First time caller line, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi. Hello.
6: My name is Meadowsweet. Thank you for taking my
0: call. Meadowsweet, huh? What a name. Thank
6: you. Um, I wanted to ask you, Whitley, and also Art, first of all, I wanted to tell you briefly, um, I, this is the first time I've ever been public about this, but I've been contacting and have been visited on a regular basis for, um, consciously for a little over a year now, October 9th and 10th of 1995, um, while I was camping on Mount Shasta with a friend.
1: You're not alone in that?
6: In two ways. No. A lot
1: of people on Mount Shasta and in the past year, many more people having conscious encounters than before.
6: It's amazing how, um, how difficult it has been for me to find, like, people to, to speak with about this that have had personal experiences themselves. So it's been a real personal growth and I'm writing a book because I channel with them it currently also. And, um, I've seen them physically and felt them physically. I will be explaining everything in my
0: book. All right. Well, we'll look forward to that. Um, I guess a lot of people who have these kinds of experiences, as you did, Whitley, feel compelled to relate them. I mean, you, yeah, uh, you, you did it. You wrote a book. Absolutely. I, I, I did it because I just thought it was, you
1: know, it was really a scary experience, but goodness, it was such a fun adventure, too. I mean, I, I thought I thought the book would be popular. That's why I wrote it. I mean, I, I didn't know how popular certainly, but uh, I had no idea that there would be all of this all the condemnation and, and sort of uh, posturing that went on. Actually, it was amazing, and I'm so I'm not surprised to see what's happening with the astronomical community. And it's interesting that there's never in that community there's been very little suggestion that this is connected with aliens in any way, at least not overtly. The response is the same because the object is unexpected, and that is the real problem. It's not that they're afraid of aliens. It's that they can't handle what they don't expect.
0: Well, uh, you know, we're being very hard on them, but uh, with what goes on in the astronomical community, um, I, I do understand, in other words, Whitley Strieber can be public about this. You're not going to lose your career. Your career is built on this sort of thing. Well, it is now,
1: but I lost the career I had and all the friends and all the social contacts.
0: Well, there you are. Uh,
1: Everything I lost, I ended up, uh, I mean, even economically, we suffered terribly
0: from this. Sure, but now now you're in a position where you can speak out without great fear. Now, uh, uh, Professor Brown, same deal. He's tenured. They might try to get him, but he's tenured. You know, he's fairly safe. And then there's Art Bell. I'm uh, I'm too crazy to care. <laughs> you know, I'm getting to the point where I just don't care, so I can do this kind of thing. And um, uh, maybe to a lesser degree, Prudence, because of her situation. No, but she's but, more fragile, and I think that that's a that's a whole different situation. Yeah, I I do too. But but the three of us, we can speak out without uh, without great fear. Now, if you're inside, if you're an astronomer, and you speak out, you're risking everything.
1: You're risking your your career and. Well, a man who has been trained in astronomy what is he going to do with his life if he can't do astronomy the answer is he's going to flip hamburgers I mean it's really it's a it's a tough call because those guys have a long way to fall if they're pushed out of 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 of, of the net they really do they really do
0: so they're careful and they, they, they have to be. and I don't blame them Why, No, I don't either. wild card line you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art bell hi
7: Yes, uh, Art and Whitley. Uh, it's been an absolutely incredible program. Uh, I'm calling from just outside of Boston uh, in Massachusetts. My yes. name is Ben. And I've got a few quick things I want to say. I'll make them really fast. Uh, you were talking about Galileo a little while back uh, and how he was uh, castigated and all. I think we're forgetting, we, we lose sight often, that what we're dealing with in... Uh, big time religion, you might a uh, big time astronomy, you might say, is a form of religion in itself. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And in a sense, we're taking on something uh, somewhat similar to, let's say, the Catholic Church or something. There are a lot of really deep set uh, orthodox precepts that are going to have to be just very gently and gradually dislodged, and it's not going to be something that happens uh, precipitously. No. Uh, Another thing I wanted to say was just that I think we're all tending to focus too much on trying to get approval from these very same sources uh, with this belief that somehow this will give us, the people that perceive this thing in a different sort of way, more credence. We don't need their approval. We need to go ahead uh, uh, and... and they're the caboose in this whole thing. We can march ahead and, and it really doesn't matter whether they approve or agree or not. You know, I'm tired of, of holding back, uh, to wait for these cabooses to catch up to us. Um, <laughs> yeah, let we them at the their own think, If, if this they point. get left behind in the dust, so be it. So what? Uh, third thing I just want to mention really quickly is, uh, back uh, maybe half an hour ago as I was listening to you folks, uh, my mind all of a sudden flashed on something that uh, I've heard in the past. Um, uh, an author, Zechariah Sitchin, yes. uh, has written a number of books. I've never read any of them, much to my regret, but um, I've heard of him interviewed a number of times, and he seems to talk about some kind of a planet-like yes. object that returns to the to this region of space, the, you know, the, this region around Earth, about once every 3,000 years. All right,
0: They're, sir, we'll hold it there. Go ahead,
1: Whitley. Yeah, everybody who has not read Zechariah Sitchin's book, The Twelfth Planet, ought to go out and pick up a copy, go to the library and get a copy, and read it. I've been reading it all week, and uh, I have to tell you, if he's right about this, he is the absolutely one of the geniuses of the age. But in any case, it's an absolutely fascinating read that enables you to open your mind to the possibility that this object may be something returning rather than something coming for the first time. A fascinating possibility.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi.
8: Hi, Art. Hello, Whitney. Hi. Uh, this is Mark from Illinois on Setcom. Yes, sir. I have two quick things. Uh, with the fear of stirring the story up, I'll bet the, uh, the astronomical debunkers won't, uh, Doug and Davis in the, uh, media. Uh, you There's want a re- lot of, uh, hungry telescopes and binoculars out there. <laughs> well, exactly. They've got an interesting problem this
1: time. The, the scientific community. And this is again why I think it's our old familiar visitors because they, they are very good at creating situations like this. The scientific community has really got to address this, my guess is, next spring.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, maybe the object will be gone when it, when 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 uh, when the comet comes around the sun. I hope not, because then there'll be a situation where the average individual can get a telescope or a pair of binoculars and look at it. So the, they have to address it. What a, is it? They can't ignore it. It's a tangible thing. Exactly. You can't hide it. Uh, anybody can thing. see. It can't be hidden. And if they end up hiding their head in the sand, then that's what they do. But they, but they, they're gonna have to, they're gonna be on the line and they're not gonna be able to get off the line. The interesting thing about this whole contact experience is it revolves around questions. It creates these impossible questions that you can't get away from. And it's, it's interesting because questions are a form of stress. Evolution is a stress response. And even if we don't answer a lot of these incredible questions that the experience brings up, we do grow because we have to live with it. And the scientific community is about to have that experience, I think.
8: <laughs> okay, Willie, you were discussing uh, biblical references to uh, comments that sort of yes. section thing. Yes. It's been claimed that uh, L. Bob is on a uh, 3,000 to 4,000 year elliptical, elliptical work, retrograde orbit.
1: Right, the same orbit that, uh, that, uh, the same, uh, uh, timeline that, uh, Zachariash's planet is on. Is Nibiru, Nibiru. Okay, yes.
8: now that's, uh, let's average that to down to, uh, 35,000 years for the summit, and that would put its last appearance in the, uh, time frame of, uh, 1500 BC. All right, I think you yep. mean
0: 3500 years.
8: Well, I, I believe, Mr. okay. Well, that's about the time of the ex, that's the time frame of the Exodus. And there's an author out there called Emmanuel Velikovsky. that yeah that's uh, right is, an, an, an older author who uh, 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 wrote some extraordinary books. All. Yeah, well the last the last best one was 1950, uh, Worlds in Collision. Yes, and uh, he discusses he researched this time frame of uh, 1500 BC where there was worldwide catastrophes. Uh, that's when uh, Moses led the uh, Hebrews out of Egypt, and an unknown story. I mean, a thing that's really been kept quiet is like uh, eight out of ten Hebrews. Died, and the uh, rabbis sort of kept that quiet, you know. They they yeah. want to, the, the sword of God uh, destroyed eight out well, of it's, it's also the time when the Minoan
1: civilization was destroyed uh, by a uh, catastrophe.
8: But it, anyway, and uh, Mr. Section discuss, uh, discusses uh, the book of Job, which uh, uh, states the arrival of uh, Nibiru. From Sagittarius, which hale Bob came from Sagittarius.
0: All right, well, we'll leave it there, but uh, the caller's right. Uh, if you average it out, look at about 3,500 years, the timeline is just right. It is just right, yes, that's correct. <laughs> West of the Rockies, you're on there with Whitley Streber and Art Bell. Hi.
8: Good morning, Art and Whitley. Hi, how are you? Uh, I'd like to, question I have is uh, there's been a lot of talk of the frequency
1: that the signals have been received on, and I would like to know, I would really like to know
0: what those are. Oh, yeah. that makes three of us. Now, yeah. uh, let me give you what I've got. Um, and i I've, Whitley, I've got something I haven't told you about. I've got, I've got an audio signal uh, submitted uh, by a ham, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what to do with it. I'm not sure what it is, and it was received uh, in the K-band area. Um, so I'll just let that sit, and I, I don't know what you may have, but what I've heard is K-band.
1: Well, if it's in the K-band area and other hams begin to pick up the same signal, then we've
0: got some. Well, I would like to make an appeal to my fellow hams. Uh, if you guys run into a signal you don't understand, uh, whether it's um, um, in the microwave uh, region or lower I would like uh, to speak with you. Um, I would like to get email from you. And we can only appeal to those out there who have ears to begin to listen. Hams are very, very, very good at that. And I'm going to be doing what I can, but I am but one ear. We need many to cooperate out there. Uh, There's pretty good uh, evidence there is a signal. And, Whitley, you back me up here. This astronomer has said there is an unambiguous signal. That is correct. Two frequencies.
1: He has been he was very clear to prove about that, and I questioned her carefully and I specifically asked her to ask him for the frequency and it was interesting she said he was very tight lipped when he talked about the signal almost as if he was concerned that he shouldn't speak about it at all, which was
0: an interesting response fascinating yeah um Whitley can you do one more hour, or are you tired uh i'm I'm not in the best shape, but I can keep going. You can keep going. All right, good. Uh, East of the Rockies, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi.
9: Hello, Art. It's great to talk to you and Whitley. Uh, My question is, this is Craig from Hickory, Kentucky, by the way. Yes, sir. Uh, My question is, do either of you know whether uh, Dr. Courtney Brown has used his uh, scientific remote viewing technique to determine uh, whether the astronomer will come forward? (laughs) And if not, you might suggest it to him, and uh, if he's not going to, Perhaps you should uh, uh, release the information anyway without giving his name.
0: All right, all right. So go ahead, sir. Um Well, first of all, they don't need to use scientific remote viewing. They're in telephone contact with the astronomer. Uh, secondly, uh, the astronomer continues to say he is coming forward. He just needs time to correlate the latest data. And get his act and his ducks in a row before he releases the information. Yeah. Uh, Whitley and I are both in possession of a photograph and knowledge about the university. Are we going to release this now? No. The answer is, we've decided not to on the pleadings of an awful lot of people. But eventually, we definitely will, and uh, at least I definitely will. I oh, assume yeah. you, you too, Whitley. Oh
1: sure. If uh, if it appears that the that the system has failed c- the public completely, and that man has, has been compelled or has decided uh, that, that he must remain forever silent, then of course we will. Um,
0: and I, I, I'm not sure when that is. I mean, the, the tendency is to want to pin a date on it and say, all right, if it isn't done by, you know, next Friday, we're going to release this data.
1: But well, I think that if we present the amateur data in a credible manner to the, science, to the professional community and it still remains silent, and the debunking becomes obviously irrational. Then that's
0: when it's time. I uh, I would have to agree. All right, Whitley, stand by, and we'll get back to you. You've got a good break now, so get yourself a cup of tea, relax a little bit, and we will do one more hour now. To get a copy of this program or any program that we do with a guest, you can call one eight hundred nine one seven four two Seven eight. That's one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight. For those who are trying to understand this whole hail bop business, uh, these particular programs are are uh, certainly very useful. And uh, so there you've got it. One 4278 one seven four two seven eight. We're going to take a break here. Come right back and do one more hour with Whitley Striever. I'm Art Bell, and this is the American. CBC Radio Network.
4: West of the Rockies at 1-800-618-8255. 1-800-618-8255. East of the Rockies at 1-800-825-5033. 1-800-825-5033. This is the CBC Radio Network. Are we really so sure
0: what's out there? I don't think so. Are we so sure that the paradigms are as we imagine them to be? as we demand they must be i don't think so you don't have to put up with it i know many of you do but you don't have to what am i talking about you know americans have no guarantee it's getting pretty late in san antonio probably a little after four o'clock not
1: late it's early it's early
0: (laughs) all right uh somebody just sent me a fax whitley kind of intriguing uh Whitley, what would Bop's companion have looked like in the night sky about two thousand years ago?
1: It's not a question I can answer, but it's very intriguing. I mean, you mean you mean if <laughs> if Bop passed thirty five hundred years ago? Yeah. Well, uh you know the interesting thing about that is this. Uh there are two things that are probably true. Probably hale did did pass at that time. And There was an upheaval on this planet at that time that was profound, that changed civilization very, very deeply, uh, that brought an end to the archaic age, uh, the Minoan Empire collapsed, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, pre-classical, I've forgotten the name of it, the Empire in Greece collapsed, Mm -hmm. uh, there were upheavals all over the Middle East, uh, the uh the uh there were upheavals in egypt all over the world there were uh weather anomalies and dramatic changes there was a the volcano at uh, santorini in uh in the central uh eastern mediterranean blew off at that time it was in other words an interesting period like ours um with the difference that it was characterized by a great deal of, uh, of, uh, of uh, natural upheaval, which has not been true of our period so far, although there's been a, a fair amount of it. It hasn't been as a, as a dramatically aggressive, uh, affecting civilization as it, as it was then. We don't really know what the significance of this is now. Uh, uh, there's no evidence that the presence of the comet will have any effect on Earth at all. It's going to be, as uh, uh, Ivan uh, 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 spoke about earlier tonight, quite far away, 122 million miles, even farther away than the sun mm-hmm. at its closest approach. So what could it possibly do? Maybe we'll
0: escape this time. God, Whitley, uh, somebody just sent me another photograph. Uh, this is a very, very good apparent, uh, Hubble photograph. (laughs) Whitley, it shows, uh, it shows the comet very clearly, and it shows something very, very much like Chuck Schrammick's picture. Now, I have no reference on when this was taken, but it's Mm -hmm. awfully good. I'll get it up on the web. Oh my. Yeah. Um, Whitley, um, do you have, uh, do you have the ability to receive a photograph by computer? Oh sure, you do uh,
1: absolutely. Uh, you can uh, it can be sent to my AOL address, which is uh, all of my addresses are publicly known. So it's simply w.streber at aol.com. Uh, I might uh, add to listeners that I get about uh, two or three hundred pieces of email a day, and I respond to as much as I can.
0: I do the same thing. It, it's yeah. getting a little difficult.
1: It, it, it is hard, but uh, but I also respond to questions placed on the questions for Whitley Bulletin Board in my website, which is www.strieber.com. Don't get upset if you don't get a response. Just bear in mind that I'm there and I'm trying.
0: All right. Uh, We. right. I'm going to forward this to you as we speak. I don't know if you're capable of getting on a computer while you're on the air. Uh, no, no. I can't do both at the same time from this telephone. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, let's go here. First time caller line, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi.
1: Hello, Art. Hi. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, Doug. I'm calling from uh, Coquitlam, uh, British Columbia. Yes, sir. Uh, hello, uh, Mr. Streber. Hi, how are you? Truly an honor to speak with you, sir. Well, thank you. Okay, uh, Mr. Streber, with your experiences of a, of a abduction and knowledge of E.T.s, if this comes to first contact, in your opinion, how do you think that we we'll, we will be approached? It's going to be a, a very stressful experience, uh, and it will be. Devised that way, uh, because as I've said earlier, uh, uh, this experience is in, in its overall structure, it's evolutionary. Uh, it, I think we should be very cautious about the experience, just in general. I always advise that. This is how it appears to me. But evolution, remember, to the, to the creatures that are experiencing it, is, is a difficulty, is difficult. Uh, afterwards when you look at the results that you think oh what a wonderful thing has happened but while it's happening it isn't easy uh, when I saw Independence Day come out uh, last summer I thought to myself it's quite possible that the visitors are getting closer and that this has something to do with it the reason being that they come when they come into the individual's life they come on a tide of fear the first thing that, that happens to you when, when when they usually they're in your life when you're a child and it's wonderful. Then they go away and they come back again when you're an adult and it's terrible. And you you are then in a position of you have to overcome your fear and you do that not by convincing yourself that they're not dangerous, because they won't let you do that. The more you try to convince yourself of that, as it happened to me and many other people, the more dangerous they seem. You have to just surrender to the situation completely. Okay, uh, I think it's gonna be tough, but I can guarantee you one thing. We'll get through it. The individual always gets through this thing. You don't, you just don't find people who are destroyed by the contact experience. A few probably. But the great majority of people who have it get through it. It seems impossible, but they do. And they grow from it. Most of them. I think, as a species and as a and as a society, we certainly will. Do you feel positive about this situation? Overall, yeah, a tough, difficult situation to handle, but one that, in the end, is going to have positive benefits for mankind. That's my feeling. I don't. There's certain things I don't buy into anymore. I used to. I used to really fear the idea that they were going to sort of take us over in some way, but there's no. it, It. It. It would have already happened the problem is if this is an invasion they're, they're not using the most valuable tool that they could possess which would be surprise
0: if
1: there was an if it was a real if it was an invasion it would already be over if it is an invasion we have nothing to worry about because they're no good at it at all
0: I think it's an invasion of consciousness
1: uh, there I couldn't agree with you more and that is why I always say caution 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 but keep taking Positive steps forward because an invasion of consciousness can be turned to our benefit if we're strong.
0: Exactly. Uh, wildcard line, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi.
9: Hi, Michael from Columbia, South Carolina. Hi, Michael. Hi, Michael. What a pleasure to be talking to you both of you gentlemen. Thank Thanks. You. I'd like to make a comment and, uh, ask Whitley a question kind of a little bit off the subject, but, um, first of all, I, I really, I think that we as a culture are suffering from a little bit of, uh, um, instant gratification and, you know, we want instant food, yeah. we want instant uh, entertainment, and I think we want instant answers and solutions to incredibly complex problems. Yes. And, and I, I really think that, I think instead of talking about a time frame of a week or so, if this astrophysicist does come forth, I think maybe we could think in terms of maybe a month or two, even more, whatever it takes. I, and I also agree with a, 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 an earlier caller who said that we really don't need the ver- uh, verification of any of these um astrophysicists, to know what we, what seems to be taking place.
0: Yeah, I, I meant to comment on that. I, I agree with that.
9: Yeah, I just I think that um, I think I've been interested in this uh, as Hoagland says the uh, uh, anomalous phenomenology now since uh, junior high school. I'm 40 years old, and I think a few more weeks or even months won't hurt. Uh, 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 that has got what five months before we'll see it. I think we have a little while to wait.
1: Well, we'll begin to be able to see the comet with the naked eye rather easily in february it'll be visible in the uh in the uh, morning twilight in uh in uh january on the uh, low on the eastern horizon
0: but sadly we've got this period of blackout when it's going to be very frustrating
1: yeah yeah right until from uh it's until about january the 5th from when are do you? you know when it when it goes into...
0: no i don't know the precise dates i know yeah. it's about to go away now yeah and it's going to be very frustrating so uh, here we are, stuck with all this. Caller, I appreciate that. I, I do agree with the premise that we don't necessarily need these people that don't want to have anything to do with speaking out publicly. It can be done elsewise, and I think you commented on that as well, Woodley. But, but what we mustn't let the scientific
1: community do is hide its head in the sand and abandon this. They would like to just pretend it isn't there, and that's what they, they do a lot. That's
0: exactly what they're doing right now. They're trying to,
1: but the public's gotta keep the pressure off. I mean, that's why I went on in the first place. I thought to myself, I'm going to be accused by my friends in the scientific community of taking this out in the wrong way and causing, and and causing it, causing, being counterproductive, and those accusations have come. But I keep saying back to these people, there's data in the public record now. There. It's there. Art has brought it out and it's there. You can't get away from it now. It's there. And that is what we're doing here and we have to keep that pressure up. When the committee's finished, we come back on, we show the, we talk about the results, we make sure that the astronomical community, the scientific community know that the public is out there, that we are aware of this, and that we have substantial, effective, Reason to believe that there is something going on. In other words, we're looking at sensible data. We're not just uh, we're not just uh, uh, dreaming.
0: All right. Uh, east of the Rockies. You're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Uh, hello, Art. Hello.
9: Uh, yes. Uh, I got a question for Whitley. All right. Yeah. Uh, Whitley.
1: Um, uh, first of all, my first question is: is Are you familiar with uh, Arthur C. Clarke's novel-like series about Rama? Yeah. I... I think I may have read one of the books. Okay, Rending well, Lover, first of all, Lover, Lover. Arthur, Arthur's first book was, uh, like, I think in the like, late 60s, and then he collaborated with Gentry Lee, and I think they're on their fourth book right now, and the whole significance of it was, like, a visitor,
3: um, kind of like an a, a emissary, that, like, a huge cylindrical object that came through, like, in a cometary path that mm. came around the Earth, it was set in the future, and it kept oh, visiting right. over and yes. over again, like, That's a comet. Right.
1: Maybe this is the future it was set in. <laughs> okay, I was just wondering if uh, if you have any contact. Are you able, like in the same kind of uh, a realm of being a writer and science fiction writer in certain different aspects,
0: do you have contact with Arthur C. Clarke? It's a wondering... very good question. Arthur C. Clarke is in Sri Lanka, of course. Yes. Uh Not very accessible, but not beyond accessible either. Uh, it's a good question, Whitley. Is there a chance you could contact him?
1: I don't think so. I've never been in contact with Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke. In my life, uh, I sat beside Arthur C. Clarke during the uh, opening of, uh, of uh, 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 one of his movies back in the '60s, and that's about as close as I've ever been to it.
0: I see. All right. Um, what I have sent you uh, on the net, uh, and let me know if it doesn't come through right, but I think it will. Whitley is something entitled "Leaked Photo HBST19.jpg." Okay. Uh, that's sitting in your mailbox uh, for later. I think It's an astonishing program. <laughs> astonishing. West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell.
10: Hi, Art. Hello. Well, let me apologize. I'm on a cell phone, and there's a slight chance I'm in a mountainous area. If I disappear, you'll know what happened. All right. Okay. Um, I have a quotation I'd like to open with first, and then I have a question for Whitley. The quotation, it's actually more of a paraphrase. I can't remember the exact words, but it goes like this all that we have of knowledge compared to what we don't know about the universe is like a candle in the dark yet it is infinitely precious for it is all that we know and all that we have that was uh, a direct quotation paraphrased slightly from Albert Einstein and Whitley Strieber said a little over an hour ago that scientists don't get recognition for things they discover that are unexpected but rather they get recognition for things that are expected. He also said that when they discover things that are unexpected, instead of getting recognition, they are in danger. They lose jobs and such as that. That's right. Uh, That's exactly the opposite of the way science does work. I can give you three examples. No one expected Albert Einstein to discover things such as special and general relativity, yet when he did, Scientists all over the world rushed to verify it, and within 11 years of the publication of his theory of special relativity, it was verified in 1917. And two years later, in 1919, he received the Physics Nobel Prize. And yet, Albert Einstein was completely unknown at the time he published his theory. In fact, he was working for the Swiss Patent Examiner's Office. He did not have a tenured position. If you'd like a more recent example, I can't remember the man's name, but he is at the University of California, Irvine, and he was doing research on halogen chemistry. And as a byproduct of that, he just accidentally discovered that certain chemicals, and I'm sure you know about this, can affect the ozone layer. And four years ago, or perhaps it was five years ago, 1991, he received the Nobel Prize for something that was, again, completely unexpected.
0: And he is still being ridiculed.
10: Yes, but he received the Nobel Prize. He is still a tenured professor at the University of California, Irvine. And he is also receiving support from very, very many scientists, for example, Carl Sagan. Now, I would also like to give you a, a couple of names. I would like you to try to get as guests on your show to discuss this, and you seem to be so intent upon attacking the scientific community. I guess I'm challenging you to get some representatives on there, and I actually have three names for you. All right. All right. The one is Obvious and he can be reached in Ithaca, New York, at Cornell University, where he is a tenured professor of astronomy, Dr. Carl Sagan. He's in the phone book. The second name is less well-known, but he's a world-famous science fiction writer and also a Ph.D. in physics and astronomy. His name is Dr. Robert L. Forward. He can be reached at the Hughes Research Laboratories in Malibu, California. He's also in the Los Angeles phone directory. And the third name would be another world-famous science fiction writer and professor of physics, again at the University of California at Irvine, Dr. Gregory Benford. He lives in Laguna Beach and is in the phone book. And actually, I can also obtain the numbers of all of these people if you would like me to get them for you. I have a phone book at home with their numbers.
2: All right. Uh... And
10: I can also put you in contact with, uh, excuse me, with Arthur C. Clarke uh, through Telex. I have his Telex address and. Uh, Probably could find his phone number. Uh, without going into too much detail, I have a lot of contacts in both the scientific world and the science fiction world.
0: Believe me, we're happy to pursue uh, any or all of those contacts.
10: Yeah. Now, I am as open-minded as anyone. However, there's a famous saying, and I don't mean this pejoratively to anyone in particular, but it is possible to have a mind that is so open that the brains fall out. Uh, I try to maintain a certain amount of skepticism, and I keep coming back to the fact that there may well be something there... But we seem to be jumping to tremendous conclusions on very little evidence. There's nothing wrong with that as long as you keep firmly in mind that we have very little evidence. All we have is evidence that there is something that is reflecting or emitting light, possibly, apparently in the same region of the sky as this comet. Yes. So, I mean, actually postulate that it's coexistent in the same region of space as the comet and not just apparently. Uh, much less that it's anything other than a natural object. You know, you have to go for the, the simple explanation before you go for the more complex. But all right, what Occam's is razor.
0: what is the simple explanation?
10: The simple explanation is that it is something natural. We don't know what it is. Science can't explain things overnight. As a caller a moment ago said, we do have a culture and a society that is always eager for instant gratification and easy answers. And science, unfortunately, is a system that relies on checks and balances, replication of data,
0: All right, and listen. Uh, like that. All right, uh, I think you've got most of it out. We're going to have to go. We're at sure. a good point here.
10: I'd like to hear some responses.
0: Thanks. All right, you certainly will. Thank you very much, Whitley. Sit tight. We'll be back for a final half hour. Okay. All right. Um, stay right there, everybody. You're listening to the American CBC Radio Network.
4: taking calls on the wild card line at 702-727-1295 that's 702-727-1295 first time callers can reach Art Bell at 702-727-1222 702-727-1222 now here again Art Bell uh, once again
0: here I am I think the last caller was entirely reasonable uh, with his suggestions regarding, uh, Dr. Sagan, uh, Dr. Forward, and Dr. Benford. And we'll pursue those. Uh, I think that I do want to say, though, that, uh, so far from people of that caliber, we have been unable to get a responsive, uh, reply. And in, in the cases that we have had a responsive reply, uh, it has quickly been taken back. So we are a little suspicious of what information we're able to get from the traditional scientific community, and I think reasonably so. I'm unable to say as a talk show host that this object is some great ship coming to take us all home. I have no idea. I simply have said and maintain now there is enough evidence uh, that uh, I would say uh, an examination by the mainstream community uh, is demanded. Absolutely demanded. Not enough evidence to say that uh, here we have some, some great alien ship headed our way, but certainly enough evidence to suggest there is something utterly anomalous up there that uh, certain people are very much afraid to talk about. The VTEC 900 NDL special white sail. Zero. And in conclusion, uh, in response to the last call, I would say if we don't come forward and we don't ask these questions, then who will? Uh, Whitley, how would you respond to that last caller? Well, I think you made a a couple of quite good
1: points uh the first and most important one is not to forget that we don't know what this is uh It's like huh. all of the stories that go around where everybody's got all of the visitors all figured out and where their planet they're from, et cetera. We don't even know what they are yet uh uh we mustn't forget that it it's it, Nature has proved to be full of quite a number of strange things, and it might be that this object is a natural object of some very strange kind. That remains to be seen. The second point uh, that he made in making reference to some of the more notable successes in the history of science with regard to opening itself to new discoveries uh, were important, too, and I think that it should be remembered that the jury is still out. Uh, initially, the uh, administrations that run these telescopes have backed off of this, mm-hmm. probably because they have no support internally and don't know the faintest idea of what to say about it. Uh, most likely, it's because some of the uh, astronomers involved have not been studying the matter. On the other hand, uh, Charles Schrammick uh, suggests that there has been an effort to conceal the actual condition of the, of the area around the corona of the bopp Comet. And you can see that in the, uh, September the 6th, 1996 Hubble picture that has just been posted of the, of the, of the comet. It does not look like a, uh, normal Hubble photograph. It is much less clear. Uh, he's right about that. Uh, so I feel that, that while it's true that science has, has at times, successfully integrated new material. In this particular case, it's important that the pressure be kept up because this is the kind of datum that is easy to just let slide by if you can because it's too hard to deal with other...
0: All right. Uh right. First time caller line, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi. Yes, hi. This
7: is Marilyn
0: calling from North Dakota. Hello, Marilyn. This
7: is a little bit off the track for Whitley, but... What if we turned our world off for a week, occasionally, to get rid of this greenhouse effect that we're having? The ozone problem so bad—is that in your line at all, Whitley? Uh, just, just think about it.
1: <laughs> we, we are going to and just to, to reply very briefly. Uh, it oddly enough, this relates to my to the book I have coming out, which I should all I really ought to mention when I'm on the air. And, yeah,
0: please do. Go ahead.
1: Uh, I have a book coming out on. Uh, 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 January the seventh, called the Secret School, uh, which is about uh, uh, recapturing the innocence of childhood and returning to it, uh, armed with the wisdom that we've gained as adults. And as a, that's called preparation for contact. It's a whole, a whole new way of looking at this experience. And all of those of us who have had childhood experiences, it's a chance to integrate those experiences in, into our whole the whole structure of our lives, having I mean, childhood encounter experience. Uh, with regard to the what, what's going to happen, actually happen in nature, I think that the important thing is that we're going to have to face that the human population has already grown so substantially that we are going to have an incredibly profound effect on nature over the next few years. Nature is going to either have to become a managed system mm-hmm. or it's going to go out of control. That is flat.
0: Period. There are uh, many things that are threatened by such a statement, as you well know.
1: As I will, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I do think that the human species over the past 25 years, as much as we run ourselves down, in terms of the, of the, environmental response that we've made so far, we've done quite a bit. And the institutions are evolving. We'll do more. I think we'll win this, but I think it's going to be a near thing. We will learn how how many people this planet can hold. We're going to find that out because I think we're going to get to the limit of human population within the next 50 years. We'll find that limit.
0: I absolutely agree with you. Uh wildcard Line, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Good morning.
5: Hi Art, um, and Willie. It's Hi. a pleasure to speak to you both.
0: Where are you sir? I'm in LA. Okay. ABC, All right.
5: And um, well, I'd like to first be before I continue, I'd like to say Art, thanks for introducing me to uh, Shortwave Radio. You bet. That was great. Um, I I um, I think uh the caller before the break had a lot a lot of very good points.
1: Uh, yeah, I do too. Uh
5: but, you know, um we're living at very different times right now, so I don't think a lot of scientists would get the same respect as back in the in the, in those days that what what he was talking about. And um
0: well, uh, a history is replete with scientific jumps with discoveries, yeah. yes. that uh, that that have been made, indeed. But it's also replete with uh, uh, crucifixions. Yes. Yeah. You're right. That's correct. It's it's a
1: very mixed bag. And it appears that the communities is right now a lot of different areas of the scientific community are up against data that fundamentally challenged their their, their paradigms. As Einstein's data, uh, to a degree, did challenge some very fundamental par- paradigms at that time, but uh, not as completely as, as some of this uh, some of the uh, natural observations that appear to be being made now. So it's a it's a slightly different picture
5: uh, right now than it was
1: then.
0: All right, caller. Uh I
5: I am I also I think like this information is like very important for for just like you know the the regular people out there to to at least be exposed to. Um. Uh. Pretty much. I mean, we should know what's going on. I, I really hate to hear all these things about scientists like kind of keeping it down low and. You know, you're not. Yeah. Well, it's not ready to be released to the public.
0: All right. Well, I don't. Uh, I don't think that they're doing this uh, in some great conspiratorial way.
5: No, I
1: don't. I would agree with you there. I think it's it's all very explainable. You don't have to get into any the, conspiracy theories to explain it. It's more sociological than it is conspiratorial.
0: Precisely. Precisely. East of the Rockies. You're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi.
1: Yes,
9: sir. Uh,
0: Frank from St. Louis.
9: Hi, Frank. Yes, sir. I'm a 36-year-old African-American, so I want to let you know that you have everybody out here listening. Great. And uh, I've been uh, taping and listening to people from uh, Richard Oakland on down. And uh, Mr. Streiber made a comment that kind of went by earlier, saying that this may be a uh, collective of individuals with one mind oh yeah, and one moral ethic mm-hmm. different from our own. hmm well, it
1: sounds to me like you just described a Borg. Well, that's interesting. Uh I was uh uh, uh 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 actually talking about that with somebody today and I I so the result was that for the first time in my life the concept of the Borg came into my mind. And for the listeners who don't know what that is, it's a, it's something in Star Trek. The Borg is a is essentially a creature with many different bodies. And uh it uh, seeks to assimilate uh, other species into its system and to make them all part of it so that everybody loses their individuality and it all becomes part of the Borg. Um, however, in this particular case, what I think we're dealing with is something that is not aggressive in that particular way. Again, if it was aggressive in that way, we would be part of the board now. Hmm. Uh, 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 the... the the way in which it's been aggressive has been in in apparently going after the physical and genetic material that we possess. That's oh. where it's been much more aggressive than going after us.
0: I a lot know, of a lot of our mainstream media is rather borg like now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe they've been borg
0: uh,
1: <laughs> but um, they're getting a little borging. Uh
0: oh boy, I'm gonna get shot for that. Oh, West of the Rockies, you're on the air with Whitley Street Bernard Bell. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Hi.
11: Hi. Um I was my name's Jessica and I'm from uh, Pierce, California.
0: Hi Jessica. Hi.
11: Um I was wondering for Whitley more about um, visitation. So we're we're yeah. actually off the comment. Um I've had them ever since I was a little kid, ever since I can remember. Um fortunately I don't remember anything bad about them. Um but I was wondering more with you um, do these things, do these visitations come more on your doing or their doing? Because, um, I don't seem to have any control over it.
1: Well, it, um, has always been absolutely out of my control until the past about, uh, two years and uh, three years. And it's become much more in my control now. And it, it, it now... They show up in the context of responding to specific needs and questions that are articulated in one way or another by me.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and they don't show up at other times in my life, at least very rarely. Uh, like, uh, for example, in 1994, I probably had 50 or 60 encounters. Mm-hmm. In 1996 so far, I've had four. Mm-hmm. And each one of them has been... Extremely conscious and uh, it, uh has started when I was awake. It's been very, very different from the way it was in the past. Mm-hmm. It's much less automatic and it, and uh, it it it, it and, and arbitrary. It's gradually focusing into a relationship, mm-hmm. slowly but surely, uh, and 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 my, and it's beginning to be functional as a relationship. Uh-huh.
11: Um, the last one that I had, it seemed to come. Um, it was strange. Uh, there were these beings, that, like the leader or something. I, don't, I was kind of confused at the time, but um, seemed to be the leader. And um, they had me sort of levitated, and they took this um, metal, um, like, pyramid-type-shaped thing, and they... Took it from like the third eye and went down my body, and then I don't really remember anything after that. But I know that um, like a week and a half after that, I was like totally high.
2: <laughs> yeah,
11: I mean, and I had so much energy, I couldn't believe it. And um, well,
1: you know, there's a very specific practice involving opening the third eye that in that is a matter of connecting that particular part of your body to the solar plexus down in the center of your body and um, it sounds to me like something happened to you along the lines of they did that but really really well mm-hmm. and uh you got into touch with some 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 powerful energy from that yeah uh i've um, uh been thinking about it and i'm i'm getting ready to actually finally after three or four years of struggling with it to create a a videotape about this whole meditation process that I've learned from them, what you described is very familiar to me. Hmm. And, um, uh, it, it's important because the opening of the third eye, which is quite real. It's a very much of an organic part of the body is a, is a incredibly valuable tool. It, It, it not, when you open your third eye, you also open your mind. And it's, it's a, you begin to become a completely new kind of person.
0: All right. Uh, wild Wildcard Line, you're on the air with Whitley Strieber and Art Bell. Hi. Hi. Uh, uh,
5: Whitley, I feel like I know you. I've read all your books. Oh,
1: thanks.
2: But,
5: and uh, there's two things I want to say. Uh, first of all, um, I read a couple of Taylor Caldwell books where she read 1,500 books to write them, and it was about St. Luke and uh, St. Paul and after the crucifixion, uh, the sun disappeared from the sky, and this was recorded also in uh, Mayan history, mm-hmm. and uh, the other night, I don't know who it was, but they said this this thing will block out the sun, and I thought, wow, maybe that's what it was, you know.
0: Well, we're It'll... jumping to conclusions here,
1: but... Yeah, we're going pretty far here. Uh, we, it's Since it's 122 million miles away at its closest approach, based on the trajectory it's on now, it's not likely that anything like that will
0: happen. However, if this object leaves the immediate, uh, we've already certainly seen it move around in many photographs, Mm -hmm. if it leaves the orbit of hale Bob, then we'll have a whole new ballgame. That's going to create a stir if (laughs) if it comes out
1: from behind the sun and, and, and it's uh, and it's left the orbiter fail bob yes, it is still located in the sky that will definitely cause a
0: stir that'll get attention east Absolutely. east of the rockies you're on the air with whitley streber and art bell hello
10: hi art hi whitley how's it hi. going yeah, I'm calling from canada
3: yes sir. um
1: i just like to touch on a point you're the the astronomer you guys are talking about
8: um that is releasing this information Hopefully. if something were were to happen that uh his career be discredited, or you know what? You know, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Um, don't you think, come April, when this thing is passing, that it's going to be so huge, everyone's just going to look up the night sky, and there it is. You, well, I'm sure it, you'd be it, able to see it with the naked eye.
1: It's not clear that the hale comet is going to be that big. Remember, it's going to be very far away. Mm-hmm. We'll know by uh, about January the 15th if you can see the comet with the tail mm-hmm. with the naked eye. On the on the eastern horizon, about 12 degrees above the eastern horizon, about an hour before dawn, by January the 15th, then you will be able to see it with the naked eye through April. Yeah, because we're not sure how far behind or away this. Yeah, we know how far away it is. We just don't know how much how reflective the gases are going to be that are coming off of
8: it. Okay, I have have another point, a little funny note for you. Um, In case of an alien attack, the ban on prayer in the classroom will temporarily be lifted. (laughs) That's
1: an interesting concept. Let's hope so.
0: Well, all right. Um, So that's where we are. And I'm glad you came on the air tonight, Whitley, because I wanted to update everybody on where we are, uh, where the astronomer is, why there was no news conference, the fact that it's probably coming up very shortly, and that we are going to, I guess, be patient. Yes, and the next step, as far as I'm concerned,
1: is to get some other competent amateurs looking at uh,
0: Chuck's data. All right. Uh, where would be a good collection point uh, for these amateurs who would like to volunteer to be on this uh, committee? Because I-, I agree with you. It's the only way we can get any action here. Well, I think it probably would be more efficient to send copies of the pictures to them.
1: And let them do it in their own context, especially if they all have if some of them will have equipment that they may want
0: to use. No, but I mean for them to contact us to say I would like to be part of this. uh do, oh. you, do you have a facility for that on your web page or? Uh, not really. I mean, I
1: think they should contact by email. But I actually had in mind that I could find them. I mean, I know I know a number of amateur astronomers. All right, and uh, uh, I, I have four or five in mind already, but if there's anyone who wants to join join this and has got a top drawer, four-star amateur credentials, which to me mean the possession and a knowledge of the use of, of, of top-level amateur equipment uh, and a long history in the amateur co- astronomy community, then please do write.
0: That would be wonderful. All right. In addition, if there's any hams out there, I'll, I'd be glad to handle that end of it. Uh, the ways to contact me are well known, and uh, if anybody out there is receiving a signal, there are a lot of ears, then I certainly want to know about it, and you can believe that we will make it public. So if the hams would contact me and the astronomers would contact Whitley, we will, we'll go from here. Sound reasonable? Absolutely. All right, Whitley. Um, you're a real trooper to be up this late. What is it about? Uh, five, it's
1: about, five o'clock. about five o'clock here. I'm gonna go take a. Good, I'm gonna go take a nap. That's gonna last until noon. <laughs> Whitley Streber, thank you. Thanks a lot, Art. It's been a pleasure to be on, and thanks everyone for listening.
0: Take care, my friend. Good night. All right. Um, that's Whitley, and uh, the rest, I guess, is up to you to sort of uh, chew on and uh, decide for yourself of what path you're going to pursue with regard to this continuing information i'm art bell and you're listening to the cbc radio network to get a copy of the program you just heard you can call beginning now one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight let me give that again one eight hundred nine one seven four two seven eight